I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Roker Report. You're joining me, Damien. I'm joined once again by Gav, Michael and Tom. Uh, we're here to talk about Sunderland. Unfortunately, this is just off the back of the game against Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, we lost 1-0. That's pretty depressing in itself. Uh, how's everyone feeling? Have you managed to untie the nooses from around your necks? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Dri- yeah. Driving driving down the A19 in the night was was difficult. Like I was thinking about diverting off into a tree. It, wasn't, <laughs> uh, to be, to be, uh, it was it was that bad, though, wasn't it? Jesus, I, just, oh, I mean, the for considering it was a it was only one nil. It felt like a four or five nil. It was just it was just so bad to watch at times. And I mean, I mean, I said it the other last week about how Sunderland need to get back to basics and we need to. We need to basically defend first and foremost, then kick on from there. I mean, there's defending and there's defenders, and I thought the day we were hung on a lot and we relied on the goalkeeper to dig us out time and time again. And for such a young lad to play like that, it was outstanding. But, I mean, it doesn't give me a lot of hope uh, going into the two home games coming up, especially considering the results they picked up this weekend, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, yeah. that's my thoughts, uh, first and foremost, anyways. It was, it was pretty dire. Yeah, I think it says a lot about the the state of it when we're relying on a on Jordan Pickford to try and try and bail us out and get a result, doesn't it? Um, it doesn't exactly feel that great. But I was noticing when Dave Damien's intro compared to last week was just a bit <laughs> <laughs> exactly blaming him. But well, I do know. try. I try my best. You know, you, you can always do it yourself. You fucking bastard. <laughs> no, I, I am as equally deflated as any of you lads. Like I, I watched the game. I couldn't go to it because I had to do this, but. Um, normally that would have been a fixture I'd go to. I've been in White Hart Lane quite a few times. Um, yeah, I was I was very very underwhelmed. I mean, it was clear as I was speaking to Tom earlier, and he was saying it was clear that there was some sort of plan, and that's what makes it all the harder to take that there was a plan. And whether it was stuck to and it didn't work out, or whether we couldn't stick to it at all, I don't know. But we had time after the Everton defeat to think about defensively what our problems were. How would we create chances and what we had to offer? Obviously, with Lee Catamol coming back, I felt like we'd get some more solidity in the team, a bit of leadership, so that if they did inevitably score a goal, which we all saw coming, if if the team would still drop their heads and if they'd allow themselves to get thrashed like they did uh, last week. And, yeah, I saw nothing today to prove that 
that's the sort of team that can go on to win games, that can get us out of that sterile situation that we've been in for so long. What really I'll, disappoints I'll just... me as well. Sorry, go on, Gar. Sorry, just a quick one I'll just add as well. I mean, you, you, you did say there about how we had time from the Everton game to work out our problems defensively. And then, what, five, ten minutes before kickoff, there's a, there's a change in the team and, and everything's shuffled. And it, it kind of makes us wonder just what the hell we've been doing all week. Because, yeah. I mean, David Moyes refused, apparently, after the game to clear up exactly what was wrong with Van Anholt. I mean, yeah. there's, there's obviously going to be rumours as to what it was, but nothing, nothing in particular was... Uh, given as a reason, and, and I mean, you said medical reasons. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, when you say we have pre- prepared all week, um, in a certain way to, for a game, and then ten minutes before kickoff, you start changing things because of other reasons. It's like, you know, it's just it's the most sudden thing ever in it. Really, yeah. it's the most sudden thing ever to, to to plan all week for a game which is going to be tough, and you need to defend well in, and then for ten minutes before kickoff, you've got to change your left back. And we had we had two fullbacks playing out of position. Neither of them came out of the game particularly well because because they were asked to do jobs that were unfamiliar with, you know. And Jason mm-hmm. Denier, because because it was his debut, I mean, it was such a tough ask. He, he was absolutely tortured down that uh, right hand side today. And for me, there's got to have been a, a better option there, surely, than to put a centre half at right back against absolutely one of the best attacks in the league. You know, I really, really did not get. Get that. I know. I know it was thrust upon us apparently, but I don't know. I found that hard to take, and, and it was it was evident at half time that you know he just was going to get tortured for another forty five minutes, and nothing changed. We should probably so, take you know. a minute out to to have some conjecture about why exactly that happened. I mean, we've heard what was it a medical reason? Supposedly, yeah, that apparently that. This is the exact quote. For medical reasons, we chose to withdraw him. I won't follow it up if you don't mind. I'd like to be straight. We advised the referee very late on. I got word of something very late. People can get injured in the warm-up. But, you know, mm. injured isn't the same as illness. He, or, didn't you look, know, he didn't look injured, did he? He didn't look like he he'd said look, that he was injured. He didn't it, look like it was kind of like, who, me? Like who, me? Why, why who? are you taking me off? What, what are you putting him there? It's why? Great. He doesn't it, play there. <laughs> it makes you wonder, though, Dave. If it was a medical illness or there was something there, but then why did Van Anholt travel? Yeah. Like, what was the point? Well, exactly. Be... Clearly, it was something done, as Tom, no. I think, referenced earlier. He was talking about something to do with Mwamba and the sort of testing yeah. that goes into Premier League football these days early before a match. What, what was that you were saying, Tom? I know, like, a lot of teams, they do, um, they do like, a lot of testing on, on the health of the players, especially after Mwamba collapsing. And there's obviously been, like, several other players, of, and another one recently in the non-league, collapsing and dying. So I know they do a lot of testing beforehand, so necessarily an injury might not be, oh, he's tweaked his hamstring in the warm-up. It might <clears> be something like his blood levels were totally off or his heartbeat and his, his heart rate, the monitoring they do for that, that might be off. I mean, like we said, it's just conjecture, but it is a little bit worrying on several re- several kind of levels, really. One, it's worrying, obviously, we all hope that Patrick's okay, and... and like I've said, it's worrying that ten minutes before kickoff we're finding things that are going wrong, and for me, it's that's what how it's been all pre-season, and that's why a lot of us are a little bit despondent about how things are going under David Moyes from the off. I really thought we'd be really strict, like we were under Big Sam. I thought we'd be structured. I thought it'd be hard to break down. I thought we'd have a game plan that worked, and for me, I've commented a few times recently 
um, on social media and stuff about Crystal Palace not having a plan. They brought Ben Tech in and now they have a plan. It's, it's hit the front, man. And I don't see Sunderland having a... We, we just don't seem to have a plan. We don't... I don't know if we play wide. I don't know if we play through the middle. I don't know how we're trying to get service to Defoe. It just... Everything seems ramshackle and sort of rushed at the minute. And the Patrick Van Arnholt situation today just summed it up perfectly for me. Ten minutes before kickoff, like I've quite rightly said, OK, let's just chuck a central defender on it right back against Son, who's having an absolute... Wonderful spell um, at the minute. It's just and typical that, Sunderland, was, I guess. Was that McNair at the front as well, late on in the game? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that does that does that not highlight our problems generally? You know, we don't have even if Victor Inichibi's fit, right? Just say he was on the bench today and was ready to play football. That is what we have. That's that's mm-hmm. it. Like and, and Tom said, Tom said it himself. We we don't seem to have a plan back to front to get the ball in areas where Defoe can score. I mean, last season we didn't particularly at times and, and you would maybe need one chance a game to score. Um, but I mean, when you've got a player as good as him in front of goal, surely your team has to be built around him. At the oh, minute, yeah. it feels as though, you know, today, for instance, we got the ball out of defence and the first thing was to hit a route one straight up to Defoe, who was, be, who was being man-marked by Alderweireld, who was an absolute mountain of a bloke who doesn't get beaten in the air very often, you know. Mm-hmm. And and obviously that happens sometimes. You can't you, you can't always plan for every eventuality. But what you can do is be very well prepared and be I don't know. Be have use the use what you've got at your disposal well. Like Sunland Sunland unfortunately didn't sign a top quality striker in the summer. As a result, we're in games like this against Tottenham where we were chasing it at the end and it took I think that. Personally, I thought we left it too late to change it up, but we did. We waited until probably five minutes before the end to start having to go at them. Um, and what was the big plan? It was Paddy McNair up front, which yeah, was kind of... I think he was just hoping if we hit it long, somebody who can hit a ball, something might drop and we might score, which if it happens is great. Yeah, but if that's what your it's, plan it's is, in itself, four yeah. games <laughs> in the season... Yeah. Like, yeah. It didn't happen. That's the, because, I mean, the thing that worries me, and I was on um, the Wise Men Say podcast last week, and, Gav, and you know, Graham Anderson, the former Sunderland Echo um, journalist, he made a very good point, and I think it's... And I don't know if it's quite worrying. Have teams seem to work out how to play against us? Because he made the point that if you take Defoe out of the game, who have Sunderland got at this present moment in time who would be threatening and score goals? Well, this is Nobody. it. I, I was actually... I was sitting there watching the game with a West Ham fan, one of my, one of my mates... And I gave him one of my old shirts, retro shirt he was rocking. I can't remember which one it was. It might be the Red Javardi, um, I can't remember. Um, but he was sitting there and he um, obviously he can't stand Spurs and that's why he was an honorary Mackham for the day. And he was like, he turned around and looked at me halfway through the game and he was like, so apart from Defoe, how many strikers do you have? And I was like, I, I, I was taken aback. I was just, for a moment, I was I'm not sure. Like, do we have anyone that we can bring on? Is Is there a real goal threat now that... We've, uh, is this our best team? Is this the best squad we can muster right now? And I'm mm. I'm saying to him, well, we've got Duncan Watmore, but he's a striker constantly played out of position. He, he'll he'll come on, he'll come on on the wing. So no, we don't have anyone apart from Defoe to hoof those long balls up to to. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was evidence, wasn't it, when McNair came up? Yeah, came I up. I think we found yeah, we found a lot of success last season under Allardyce, in my opinion, um, through Kazri. Kazri played that role where, and I know there's a lot of discussion about whether he's fit, whether he's unfit, whatever, but 
he played in that role where he occupied a, a little position on the pitch where he could actually pull strings and he put the ball into dangerous areas. And we tried to play in Dong there today and he looked good in patches, but I don't think that's his game. His game isn't to be the, the person who splits open the defence. He's like energetic ball winner, in my opinion. We just don't have anybody in that final third of the pitch who knows how to provide quality delivery. I think I think though when you've when you've got a when you've if you play with you know the the, the old fashioned number ten who's effectively a, an advanced midfielder a deep line forward who plays you know between the midfield and the striker if you're going to play with a number ten or somebody who works in behind a, a striker I think the striker has to be good at holding up the ball bring another the wingers into play we're not we're not really set up to have a number number ten like today for instance. It was very much a case of Sunderland have to defend, and then when they get forward once or twice in the game, they have to take a chance. And it, I, I think I, I mentioned on Twitter actually, it didn't feel to me like Moyes wanted to win the game. It didn't. Just in the way we were set up, it felt it felt as though we were quite happy at one nil for it to be one nil because once we went one nil down, it took twenty minutes for him to bring on attack midfield and Kazri, who to be honest didn't play very well. But it's not really the point. We waited 20 minutes to try something different, and that for me wasn't good enough today. I, I was I was sitting watching it, thinking, right, we're one nil down. It was pretty fortunate on Spurs' part, considering the amount of shots they had. They they were fantastic today, to be honest. And I don't know how it wasn't more than one nil, but the fact of the matter was that for a large part of the game they just couldn't score, and it took a huge error from the centre half to to give them a goal. Now. Once they did that, what did we do to make anything different? To to try and change the game, try and go, try and go and, and get back into it. For me, it took twenty minutes for him to do that, and I think that was purely because he's always cautious, David Moyes. He's not going to, he's not going to try and attack anybody. I think even when we play West Brom in a couple of weeks, I'd be surprised if we are on the front foot. And that's oh. that's just the type of manager that he is. <laughs> and we're going to have to get used to it. He's, he's pretty much spelled it out to us, hasn't he? You know, we're going to have to get used to that style. I think as long as he's here. And um, it's worrying in my eyes because when you really do need um, your manager to be making changes that are going to influence the game and try and get us back into it, I don't think he's going to do it. He showed that today. 20 minutes. 20 minutes from when they scored, it was when Kazri come on. And like I say, he didn't play particularly well, but it wasn't really the point. I think he has to start being a bit more pragmatic when we need him to be because if we go 1-0 down with half an hour to go against Crystal Palace, it's going to be an absolute cauldron, that place, at the same yeah. life. You know, for a fact it is. And those are the kind of games we need to be winning. And it's 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 worrying. I, I know I, all this hindsight and everything, but does anybody really feel like we're going to win any of those games at the minute the way we're playing? You know what I mean? I don't. I don't feel positive at all about our chances. That's not to say we won't. But for me, he's got to be a bit more positive in his approach uh, with the players. Yeah, the players. You know he's coming out, and it's it's all right being uh, being honest, and I like his honesty. But sometimes you've got to put an arm around the players and go, look, son and son and need this win. We're going to have to get together on this, and we're going to have to we're going to have to fight for everything to get the win that we need. I'm not going to to be honest. I'm not going to lie. To you, I don't I don't see us winning either of those games at the minute, unless something changes over the next couple of weeks in his approach and his manner and his his demeanour. I just can't see it. Like I was listening to six or six on on the way down the motorway tonight. Um, and all he could talk about was how good Spurs were. How his actual words were: "We aren't good enough to compete with Tottenham. We aren't good enough to play against Tottenham in the in the style that they do. We aren't." He said, "We aren't good enough three or four times." 
And I just think, I know you're right, because we're not good enough, but when you're coming out as the face of this club, as the manager Hi. of the players, and you're saying stuff like that, what does that tell them? It doesn't, it, it, to me, it's the total wrong approach, because all, you, all it inspires <clears> is <throat> non-confidence, and you're, you're looking at a, a, you know, you're looking at a season like Villa had last season, where their manager came out every week and told everyone how bad they were. You know I what I mean? That's, that's, to me, that's, that's a, how I felt after the game. That's a, that's a big difference between Moyes and Allardyce. Obviously, not not specifically just the whole man management thing. It's um, it's equal parts, isn't it? With Sam Allardyce, it was like a case of, well, look, we're in a really bad situation, but we're going to do our best to get out of it. Do you know what I mean? It was like, and, or he take the pressure off the players, or, or he take the pressure off the players. And yeah, he, he, he wouldn't he tell was one of those managers who would take them to one side and say, look. I need you to do this, this, and this, or yeah. take a day off, or do you know what I mean? Just focus on this, and that was something that we're, yeah, as you say, we're really, really missing. I mean, initially, when before the transfer window had even closed, and David Moyes came out and said, "Look, we're going to be in a relegation battle," that to me just reeks of no plan at all, no desire, no ambition. Don't get me wrong; I'm sure he looked at this job, and he had a chat with Ellis Shaw, and they said, "Look," or he said to Ellis, "Look." This is what this is the state of your squad. I'm not going to be able to bring in a lot. I'll try and bring in a little bit of quality and try and build on what you've got. I'll try and add my own perspective. I'll try and add my own ethos to the team. But don't expect me to work miracles. We're not going to get top 10 finish or anything like that. We, we'll, we'll still dance with the relegation. And maybe if I get another two, three transfer windows, I'll be able to attract more. But for me, he ruined the first transfer window just by saying that. Do you know what I mean? He he could have said, "Oh no, I'm I'm very very confident that we're gonna we're gonna keep playing forward." I mean, he would have had the time to do that. Even after what are we now five games in, even after this, he would have had the time to turn around and say, "Well, the challenge was a bit too big for me." But he started really early, saying, "Look, don't put pressure on me. Don't put expectations on me. I don't need it. I can't handle it." Essentially, is where he's coming from. So this is how it's going to be. And if you go down, you go down. I won't be here. But it's not my fault because someone messed it up before I got it. It was it was someone else's mess, and I've come in to tidy it up. And you should be welcome for that. And while I am happy to have a manager with that sort of pedigree, and I do feel like he had a really bad time at Man U with all those expectations, and again, <clears throat> sorry, in another league, uh, a foreign league, uh, I, f- I feel like he had a really a really rough time with that. And the media obviously bounced on him at Manchester United, and it followed him. To Real Sociedad, and I think this is the it's the be all and end all for him, isn't it? It's it's like how much respect is this manager now going to have? How long are we going to call David Moyes a pedigree manager after a, a failed stint at Sunderland? And he's just going to place all of that blame straight on the team, straight on the club, and straight on the predecessors. I don't think that's fair. Am I, am I wrong here? Does anyone disagree with that? I think to a point. I can understand why people are concerned because, I mean, let's be honest, today we lost 1-0 only purely because Spurs were wasteful in front of goal. It wasn't because we were any good whatsoever. Oh, no, certainly. I must admit I took that from uh, oh, just a general oh, consensus rather than oh, specifically I mean, I mean, today. <laughs> I think there is reason to be concerned, but, you know, when you look when you look on the face of it, right, I, I'll compare this situation. Um, this might be completely irrelevant. You guys might think I'm talking absolute rubbish here, but compare this situation to a year ago where we had... If you think back to, if you think, I'm not saying this is an excuse for Moyes at any stretch, but if you think of the teams we've played in the first few games, now I can agree that some of the things he said, like we're not good enough to compete with Spurs, we're not good enough to play against Spurs, you know, fair enough. That's not exactly, it doesn't exactly bring confidence. 
But the fact is, we aren't good enough to play at Spurs because what were we expected to go to Spurs and try and, oh, I know, let's put 10 players forward and try and let's go and score? Because we know for a fact it wouldn't have worked. I can appreciate, though, to a point as well, you know, we didn't really look like we were going to score. We were a bit negative after, go- still a bit negative after going behind. But I do think that's partly because of last week where we tried to get forward a lot and we got hit on the break of pace because of it. I mean, if you look at the first goal against Everton, for example, we put 10 players forward for a corner. What happened? Got hit on the break, went 1-0 down. So there's, I think compared to last, last this season to last season, I'm not going to say Moyes is Moyes is from is in what is it <laughs> blameless or you know exempt from criticism because he's not. But if you think back to a year ago, we got two points from the first six games, and when you consider the teams we face, I mean Leicester, I know they won the league, but they weren't expected to at that period in time. Norwich, who couldn't finish in the top two in the championship when they came up. Swansea, who were in a relegation battle later that season themselves. Villa, we need to say more. And Bournemouth, who were widely tipped to go down. You know, last season for me, I felt wor- I felt worse last season than what I do now. Now, I don't feel happy with the start, obviously, because one point from five games isn't good enough. But when you, ca- when you take in hindsight who we've played, I'm not saying that's an excuse, but in hindsight who we've played, Man City should have got something out of. Middlesbrough had our kids playing, half of them anyway. Southampton... Yeah, okay, should have won that game. Everton, last half an hour wasn't good enough. And today, you know, but I think I will be massively worried in the next two weeks if we haven't won either of Palace or West Brom. But I can see Gavin's point that if we're not going to change our approach, well, what's going to do? Because, I mean, Palace could easily come up here next week and say, right, okay, Sonna, come on, you try and have a go at us. And we know what's going to happen if we throw players forward. You know, they've lost Balassi, but they've got Townsend, who are rate, Zahar, Punchin. Um, who was the other one? Bakri Sackle. Townsend got literally pin- just walked in that fourth goal today. No, 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 no one yeah. stopped him. He just <laughs> went, boop, boop, there, yeah, goal. And no one you could have I think cared I, less. I, yeah, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reflect on that a bit as well, really. I mean, it was... Well, I, I did watch that game, but I didn't think Stoke really wanted... It was. It felt a bit like our second-half performance against Everton. Mm. It, was, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't exactly a 4-0 game, but... At the same time, it's the type of result which inspires confidence. And if you're those Palace players having won four nil today or three nil, whatever it was, and and you've watched the way we play today, where we were happy to just sit back and take whatever was given to us, um, it's got to give you confidence because I, I don't see, I haven't seen anything thus far this season, and this includes the Shrewsbury game in the cup. I haven't seen anything thus far from our approach tells me that we're going to go out and attack a team at home. Not necessarily, you know, spend 90 minutes throwing wave after wave of, atta- of attacks at teams. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that, but I don't <clears> see <throat> us going out, setting up in a confident manner that'll, that'll, that'll see us win games. Not yet, anyways. I think we need, we need a battle to win before we can give ourselves a platform to build on. That might well be the game next week, where we'll, it could be another case like today where you spend the first half where it could have went either way, really. I know I know Spurs had a lot of chances today, but going into half-time, I felt quite disappointed we weren't winning because, yeah, obviously, of the P- the chance. PNL chance. Yeah, and say you have a game like that next week where, you know, you're pretty comfortable going in half-time and you've got something to build on, then great. But for me, it's going to take... David Moyes totally ripping it up this week, taking a different approach and going, right, I've got this player, I've got that player, let's start playing people in position, let's start giving people jobs which gets the best out of them, especially when players come back from injury as well, players like Lee Catamol and stuff, you know what I mean? Let's let's start playing players who are going to give their all and then maybe we'll get a good result, but 
it's still pretty <clears throat> desperate that five games in the season feeling like that for me um and, and just just to go back on something as well the PNR chance early in the well late in the first half um oh, I, I think I said I think I, yeah well I think I said I think I said last week about how teams like ourselves have to defend well take our chances I've said it today already and we're kind of sort of the Everton game the end of the first half to Thor's missed chance which I mean it was nowhere near as easy as the one that that Stephen PNR missed today but in our situation, else, when we are going to... Anywhere else, if you just put it anywhere else. Sorry, any, Anyone on. else, Destroy really, anyone else. I think, <laughs> I think, I think it, was, it, was a, it was a case of it was a case of anyone else as well. I don't think he was positioned particularly well to, mm. um, to, to strike the ball with the type of power it needed to go in the back of the net. But can you imagine if that had felt a Defoe or someone like that, you know? Well, it could have, would have, should have, isn't it? Yeah. It's, 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 it's irrelevant at the end of the day, he didn't score... We got beat. Well, but, I mean, yeah, we've taken you know, we've taken a lot of uh, negatives from today. Is it, uh, how's everyone feeling about the positives? I mean, we saw Ndoy get his first. Ndoy, I keep saying that. What, <laughs> it's hard. It's difficult. You got to admit, it's difficult He's for back. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ndong. Ndong. Sorry, Ndong. Sorry, Ndong. <laughs> Sorry, Mister Ndong. Yeah. Um, what's everyone feeling like about him? Because um, he did. He had a massive work rate. I felt today. I feel like his first touch was poor. Uh, beyond that, I'm I'm not entirely sure about his decision making. I, I mean, I did I, I didn't take from today that he was bad. I took from today that he was bedding in, and that there's certainly something there. There's definitely an engine in midfield, waiting there to be unveiled. But it was it was by no means the sort of powerful, dominating midfielder that I've been led to believe by, admittedly, YouTube videos and third-hand <laughs> stories about who this bloke actually is. Um, yeah, how's everyone else feeling about it? What, did we take any positives um, from the game? I think. Yeah, well, sorry, go on, Michael. No, go on, Gav. You uh, well, just on on Undong, um, I, I was pretty impressive. I'm honest. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it was a, a sterling performance. It was a, it was a pretty average performance. But from what I've seen, I've got reason to believe he's a decent enough player. I think. I think what he's effectively replacing on our side is Jan Vieira, isn't he? Really, the type of player who would pick up. Balls in areas where maybe Lee Catmull and Kirchhoff just weren't able to because of his reading of the game. I think that's what Ndong's been brought to the club for. And there was a lot of that in the first half, particularly where I thought we're under a bit of pressure here on the edge of our own box and he won the ball back pretty well. Um, I saw a little bit of criticism for him and I, I wasn't too sure why because he wasn't... I, I wouldn't have said he was the best player on the pitch because that was clearly Jordan Pickford for us, but I would say he was up there. I thought he was pretty good today. And, and his... Um, his ball in, which led to Pienaar's chance, was something that you never see from Jan Kirchhoff or Catamore because he sprinted to get to a ball and put everything behind crossing it. It wasn't a particularly great cross, but it led to a chance. You know what I mean? And that was another thing, really. He, he wasn't playing with a particularly informed player today. Maybe maybe when we're playing a bit better, you'll see the best out of a player like Ndong. But today, when we're behind the ball, it was pretty much the same for everybody. Everyone had to try and chase it down, win it back see what we could do once we got a hold of it. Um, he did a pretty good job of that. Beyond that, it was hard to judge any of the midfield, really, because I thought Jan Kirchhoff was poor at the day, and that, that, that led to the rest of them struggling, really. I know Lee Catamull has the engine of two players, but he hasn't played a lot uh, since last season, and that, that obviously affected the, the fitness that he had towards the end mm. of the game, which meant Dong had to do quite a lot of running, which he... Maybe in in better circumstances, maybe maybe at home when you maybe leading the game or you you're you know you're on top, you might see the best out of a player like that who can carry the ball, win it back quickly for you. 
you know, I think that's that's why he's here, isn't he? Really, let's be honest. He's not he's not here to score goals or create them. He's here to win it back. He was he was we were told that he was in that you know in goal Kante mould, that type of player who's busy around the park, wins it back for you, and lays it to the better players. That's the problem we've got really. I think um, the trouble he had though. Sorry to cut you off there, mate. That's fine. Right. I've got to argue on that since uh, he, yeah, he did. He did make some interceptions. He did. He did get the ball back, but his first touch was just abysmal. Does anyone? Can anyone say to me that it wasn't? Because I, I could swear there were half a dozen times when the ball's fallen to him, and he's just with his first touch knocked it straight to a Spurs player. Admittedly, they were all over us, and they didn't. They were pressuring every player. Whether it was our plan and we allowed them to come at us like that, I'm not sure. But still, it seemed to me whenever he got that touch, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, and as we all, here's our marquee sign, and he's got the ball. Can we hold possession for more than one minute, please, at some point in this match? And we didn't. It was the first touch laid off to the Spurs player. And there was a lot of bad passing in general. Like, there, there's a lack of... I, I, won't, I can't say there's a lack of training your drills because I would imagine there isn't a lack of that I imagine that's what they do most of the time but certainly it's evident there's a, a lack of gelling between uh, all the players they, they don't seem to be understanding each other obviously we had yeah. Patrick Van Arnold come out earlier in the week and say that there was a genuine communication problem in the back line um, maybe as an excuse but fair enough though they are it is a mishmash I mean Kabul yeah he, he, he was a foreign lad he wasn't English but at the same time he'd been with Spurs for how many years he's you know a, what I mean County of Captain Tottenham Hotspur well, so they had that and Kanye has a decent grasp of English and Van Aanholt obviously he was at Chelsea for many a year and so they have a decent grasp of English but now that you've got Jordan Pickford, who obviously, as we know, has a heavy Macam accent, and good for him because it's it's a beautiful, beautiful accent. But at the same time, it's not the easiest to understand for for someone like Papi Gilabogi and Kone. At the same time, is is that is it possible that that's creating a problem at the back line? Is it the communication problem, not just between the defenders, but from Pickford in particular? I mean, bearing in mind, V. I mean, only spent what eight years at Arsenal. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. At, I'm yeah. I well, I think when I think when Van Anhalt's coming out during the week and telling us that there's a communication issue between the back line, I think that's pretty conclusive, isn't it? You know, it 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 and then let let's be fair as well. Um, we we've signed a Spanish right back who apparently doesn't speak very good English. Gilabogi, I don't know. I don't. To be honest, it's it's a, it's an easy excuse to use, but generally speaking, as a defence, you need to be able to communicate well. Um, I don't know what the hell that goal was today, but something went wrong with Papi Gilabodji. You know, any 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 gifts an absolute, you know, sit for for Harry Kane and he puts it away. Um, You'd have been pretty surprised it, if Harry Kane didn't score that. Um, yeah, yeah but but the thing is as well though, going forward, does does David Moyes not take him out of the team now and go, look, we've got. I know Denny I was really poor today but he wasn't he's not a right back as he's a centre half and exactly. John O'Shea is there um, there's options let's be honest there's options and I was surprised O'Shea didn't play today because I thought the big issue towards the Everton game was that we didn't have a lot in terms of commu- communication leadership on the pitch although Catamore came back in today I still felt that O'Shea maybe should have started because it wasn't as though um, we were going to sit high and it would that, that would effectively and nullify John O'Shea, wouldn't it? Because sitting high would be pretty much playing against him. But mm-hmm. today we sat deep. 
we needed people to keep organised. We needed somebody, particularly in defence, to tell everybody what to do. Um, I know we didn't foresee the, the change to Van Anholt, but generally speaking, I think we could have benefited from him being in there. But that's by the by. What's happened, happened today. Well, next week, we now have that to consider because that's, what, two, three goals now that were being cost by Gillibodji, just going wandering, making mistakes, brain fart. Yeah, that was, that was a clear, clear gift from Gillibodji. I mean, yeah. that, was, that was terrible to see. He was kicking at the air and that, that's just sad to see at this level from a centre-back that we paid £8 million for that was tutored by Chelsea. That was, yeah, that was really sad to see. Just hit his foot out absolutely nothing. Uh, but yeah, uh, one point. someone blamed Pickford for that goal, but I, I don't blame really? him at all. I, that was clearly, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Someone, someone blamed was... Pickford for that. I mean, yep, yep. Oh, that's pretty much a gift for Harry Kane from about four yards out. And Pickford was stranded by his defence <clears throat> there. How on earth is he at fault for that? Sorry, he was man. The, he was man the match today. Pickford wasn't he though? He was, easy, he was, easy. He was outstanding today. He was. Let's be honest. For such a young, like I said at the start of the show, for such a young lad to put a performance in like that, I mean, it gives us hope for the future because I know he's, I know he's, um, he's had an indifferent start. He, he he made a mistake down at Southampton, and then the other night he he couldn't really be blamed for anything. But today he was brilliant. He was our best player by a mile. Um, he, he actually, I don't know, something which might have went unnoticed as well, the, the Defoe chance, which he kind of carved for himself, um, that actually started with a kick from Jordan Pickford. That's what that's what I mean with him. He, he, over the course of the season, he might score two or three goals, which come from his distribution. You've just got to, it's just something else to consider, isn't it? He's a good player. Um, like I say, we're trying to draw positives out of the performance today. That was the, the initial point to start with Damien. Obviously, Pickford was brilliant. Um I think I think for the first half an hour or so, although we, we kind of rode our luck, we did look organised. I went in the half time felt felt though we were lucky to be still in the game, even though we'd missed a great chance. I, I went in the half time one... thinking, oh, Lukaku in eleven minutes. That's <laughs> yeah, why, but... that's how I went in half time thinking, oh, this but is gen... great. I've seen this before. Deja vu. <laughs> but gen- generally speaking, though, I was pretty happy with the organisation. We did. We, nobody was going wandering with her at the end of the day. We, we, were, we were trying to close stuff down. Where our issue lay at half-time, really, was just how many times we were gifting possession back to the back Spurs. We weren't holding the ball when we were winning it. And it was, that was my worry. It felt like, right, we're going out. We're going to defend. We're going to try and stop Spurs from scoring for at least the first 75 minutes and then take it from there, which was clearly the plan because we, we, we kind of put 10 men behind the ball. But the issue after that was, what do we do when we win it back? The ball was going out wide to Pino or Yanazai. They were losing it. The centre mids weren't carrying the ball well, which meant well, what was happening was effectively. Yeah, but what was happening effectively was we were winning the ball back on the edge of our own box, hoofing it 70 yards up the pitch to Defoe, mm. who was getting nowhere near it, and it was coming back. And I don't. That's what worried us that mm. Moyes wants to defend. He wants the team to get a clean sheet. Kind of like what Aldice did last year, where we went so long without getting a clean sheet. It became his obsession. He just wanted to, wanted us to get a clean sheet and then build from it. Kind of felt like that today. I don't think he was going to open up. But he was going to he was going to try and get the team to sit back. But we didn't have a plan after that. Or our plan after that really was to give the ball to Yanazai, and he he was pretty He's poor again. You know. Up, yeah. You know what, yeah. you know what scares me the most though. Uh, in pre-season, we looked we looked quite sharp in pre-season. Um, we <laughs> when really everything did. Everything was rosy. No, well, even when, when Moyes... When the future looked bright, full of <laughs> even, promise. Even when Allardyce, though, <laughs> even when he left and Moyes came in, I still thought we looked really sharp. And who made 
the team looks sharp. And I know Barini's out injured. I'm going to mention him in a minute. But Barini, Kazri, and Jeremy and Lenz, when they played, we looked really sharp. We looked like we had players who were clinical, who could make a good pass, who understood each other. They're obviously, being playing with each other for like six months or so at that point. And I've seen a few people mention this about David Moyes, and I know we're probably being harsh on him, and maybe the end of the season he turns it all around and we're fantastic. But the real issue I have is he's come in and the likes of Paddy McNair goes straight into that team. He didn't even have a pre-season with us. And we get rid of players like Lunds, and obviously Barini can't be helped, and Kazri's constantly assigned to the bench. And I'm thinking, but why? Why tear down something? That was working relatively well last year. And I know I know Lenz was sort of out of favour with Allardyce, but he looked really good in pre-season, in my opinion. Or at least he gives us an X factor that n- nobody who David Moyes brought in does. And I think... And do- Sorry, go on. Sorry, do you mind if I interject with an argument to that? Go for it. Lenz, right, as far as I'm concerned, he was lazier than Sessegnon. I'd sooner have Sessegnon in that position. What I remember from Lenz, right, was a couple of good runs, a couple of good passes, and that one goal against West Ham that we drew to all. Yeah. That was a cracking goal. That was fantastic. But I mean honest to God, I would sooner have had Sessignon. But in I guess same yeah. German I want, I that. Can goal. I just can but, I just interject there yeah. as well though quickly, yeah. sorry. Um I thought the two appearance I think it was two two appearances that Lenz made before he shot off to Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. He genuinely made a difference when he came on the pitch. Who did yeah, we have did on the bench see, today? Did Who did we have on the bench today that made a difference? Exactly. I will, nobody. I will, I will absolutely that nobody. Point. Absolutely. You know, because I, I would have been happy to have him on the bench to come off the bench today. I'm saying that. I'm sitting here slagging him off, but I would have been happier with him on the bench today. <laughs> that, that's, that's a problem, isn't it? Sorry, the, the, sorry for interrupting anyone, but the, the thing with Lens was that I felt I, I don't know what I've noticed. What was noticeable to me was when he scored at Watford at the end of last season. And you remember that he actually took a really good touch and then finished it well, but he just looked like he couldn't care less. He just looked like he was there, and he was just oh, oh well, I'm here for a paycheck anyway, so I've just scored a goal. See you off, bye. You know, I just don't. I think we need good characters in the dressing room, and I can I can agree with Damien on that point with Lens that he's quality, but he just does not. You know, look like he look like he gave a monkeys, whatever. I was just going to try and make a point earlier that you made about um, what was it in Dong? I know that was like that's from like twenty years ago now, but um, <laughs> the point I was going to make was in Dong was that is it, I don't know if in Dong's really going to be expected to be effective against the likes of Spurs. You know, especially Spurs away. I think it's going. It's got to be the likes of Palace and probably especially West Brom. Yeah, but when you when you consider, obviously, oh. yeah, we we would hope so. But when you consider that we are playing the likes of Spurs, we are in the Premier League exactly, and we've yeah. been here for yeah. a long time. There's a, there is nothing about Tottenham Hotspur that we couldn't have picked yes. apart with the right team and the right game plan today. And exactly. that's what really totally bothers me about it. When you see all of the four nil or rather the four goal wins that happened over this weekend. When you look at the likes of Leicester last season, when you look at, uh, well, Crystal Palace and well they're doing at the moment, and things like that, it, it just it boggles the mind that Sunderland are still stuck in this this retro era. Do you know what I mean? We're still, we're still mourning the loss of Kevin Phillips and Niall Quinn, as far oh. as I'm concerned. We're, we're just sitting here in the past and thinking... Oh well, that, that's what we deserve. That's no less than we deserve. Yeah. But frankly, that? these these teams, they're beatable. Um, we all know this about the Premier League. Yeah. Every team that gets to the Premier League has the quality to beat any other team on their day. 
But in reality, we shouldn't be sitting here and thinking, we can't beat Spurs, we can't beat Arsenal, we can't beat Man City, we can't beat Chelsea. Because we've beaten them all. We've beaten them all and we've beaten them all in harsher conditions against better teams. We've done that. And that's that, that's one of the beautiful things about Sunderland and indeed any team in the Premier League, any team that can survive this mm. this gauntlet. <laughs> Do you there, know what there, I mean? is, it's, there is one point I would like to make is that, and this is going to sound completely selfish, you know, everyone was on the Leicester bandwagon last season and for exactly the point that Damien's just made, although it was great for Leicester, they deserve to win the league and it was great for football because it inspires confidence and hope again in any sport. It was so difficult for me to watch Leicester, a team that had needed to have the great escape the year before to stay up, who had only been, that was their second season in the Premier League, might I add. It was so difficult for me to watch them do really well. It's not their fault, it's more of a dig at us, but... It's like it's so difficult to watch a team like Leicester go and win the Premier League and yet Sunderland, who've been in the Premier League, this is our 10th consecutive year and we are still in the same position as we were probably when we got promoted and seemingly no further forward. And that, that's I, actually, I, I, I actually think we're in a worse position than we got first promoted, to be honest. I do as I think, well. I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel like when we came up under Roy Keane, um, there, was a, there was a... Well, obviously, as with any promotion, really, you, you come up with... Uh, no expectations other than that you just want to stay up but you're on a forward momentum we aren't on a forward momentum at the minute Sunderland at the minute seem quite content with being what we are that's what worries me but generally speaking game to game um, we have to have something to build on thus far we've had nothing I'm looking at the start of the season I, I try to think of which teams we'd be competing with this year in that bracket between 12th and effectively the bottom of the league. I was trying to think of which teams those were. I thought the three promoted teams. I thought Watford. I thought Swansea. Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth, yeah. And I mean, although there's, not everybody's had a great start. I mean, God, Stoke have actually had a hell of a worse start than we have, considering how bad ours has. But re- generally speaking, I, I was expecting us to be competing with these teams around us and although the, the, the results seem to plateau eventually um, what does worry me really is that a team like Watford can comprehensively beat Manchester United today in the manner they did you know they did well to beat them as well um, they beat West Ham last week you know a team who I thought we'd be competing with are, are picking up results where people don't expect them to obviously yeah. Sunderland generally we do that in April March mm. generally speaking <laughs> that, that seems to be yeah. the case every year but that's not what we want to do this year. We, we we should have turned up at Spurs today and have at least got to the end of the game and thought, we might have won that day. We were quite competitive. Yeah. In reality, it wasn't a 1-0, was it? It felt, it felt like a 3 or a 4-0 defeat by the end. Nobody, no, no Sunderland fan really was positive watching that. Yeah. It was pretty I totally impressive. You know? I totally agree with you, mate. And I think part of the issue is we as fans have this real defeatist... Um, imagination really when it comes to the club anything we can link to the club we think ah, it's, it's probably going to be crap or we're not going to do well and I think the club is everybody to do with the club whether it's the manager, the, the staff, the players I think everybody's like slipped into that mentality of just oh well, you know, we're never going to do well I think it was like Jamie Redknapp or Phil Neville or someone the other night on um, Monday Night Football said something about oh well like David Moyes is doing Sunderland a favour He's not really, though, is he? We're an established Premier League team, been here for years, multiple years in the Premier League. We yeah. haven't been great by any means, but we deserve better. And I think the issue is we need, like you just said, we need to go on the offensive. We need to actually give everything and go all out and not just think, oh, well, we'll sit back and we'll be solid. 
because I think that's what's led us to where we are now is just settling for enough. We don't seem to have any aspiration on, on the pitch. It's mm. just, oh, well, we'll stay up. We'll try and wipe off some of the debt. And, you know, maybe one year we'll do all right and see what happens. Nobody's there putting like a blueprint together. Nobody's putting some kind of image to the team. It's just, oh, well, we'll see who we get and probably the manager will bugger we'll off and we'll bring somebody else in. But, we'll stay but, up. It's going to be that then. So, yeah, but, that's but, pretty, but what it feels just like. That, Sorry, just 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 on top of that though. I mean, as obviously we're we're recording this now, what hours after the game finished, and Aye. let's be honest, if we go out and beat Palace next week, this will all be forgotten. It's just the nature of being a Sunderland fan, isn't it? Um, and it, it's maybe a, a start reminder in that sense that things can change, especially this early in the season. You know, mm. I'm as as negative as I feel today because I really do. I've not seen anything today to make me positive about winning next week. Um, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we'll be sitting here next week talking about how Sunderland won and and how we won well and how we went out and we beat Crystal Palace with conviction because we've seen it. I saw I saw the year that Gus Poyer stayed up. We beat everybody in our path towards the end of the season. You know what I mean? I've seen Sunderland be in worse situations and win games. That's not the issue for me. My issue today was more to do with the way we... The style we were set up, style, our plan B, really. Our plan B, once Van Anholt went down at the start of the game, things like that. There was a lot of little things which led to the bigger picture, which was us losing the game, effectively. Um, that's what I, that's what worries me. I don't have I don't have any concerns about us as a club winning games eventually because we always seem to pull it out of the bag. And, you know, as, as negative as I am now, I felt a lot worse when Gus Poyes kept us up. I felt a lot worse in January last year when it looked like Sam Allardyce wasn't going to keep us up. Um, I felt a lot worse as a Sunderland fan, genuinely. Mm. So, sitting here five games into the season, I'm not writing us off, I'm not writing David Moyes off, because that would be foolish, that would be absolutely idiotic. Mm. What I am saying is, we need to see signs in the next two games that this is going somewhere, that this team that he's trying to mould, let's not forget, we're getting players back from injury, we're, we're still bringing in the likes of Ndong, who started his first game today, there's, there's stuff to build on. What I need to say now against Palace is um, it's a Sunderland team which looks like they're going to beat sides that are around us because, like Michael said, actually, Michael did make a good point there before. Who who we've played thus far, is, although the, every game in the Premier League is difficult, um, when you've got Crystal Palace and West Brom coming up, you've got to be a little bit more optimistic about your chances in those games. Even though traditionally we never do well against those teams, we tend, we tend to pick up results when you don't expect us to. Um, but Generally speaking, we're five games in. We've got to, we've got to see something now next week yeah. that gives right. us hope to build on. I, I, I mean, I don't mean to, that's a slightly more positive note to end on, really. But generally speaking, we've got to maybe get a bit of perspective as bad as I feel tonight, and I really do. I mean, I've not really held anything back tonight. I've, I've said exactly what I feel in the wake of the game. Um, we have a lot football left to play this season and, well, and that's so, important there certainly won't be many babies born nine months in Sunderland I'll tell you that <laughs> this. Yeah. but there'll be a few think, black eyes tomorrow morning um, like I said it was just the point yeah. I made about last season was I felt depressed after the start of last season because we like I said earlier I'm not going to tread all crown we, we played a lot of teams who we were expecting let's be honest we should. I feel we should be beaten that's probably me being deluded and stupid and I have no idea what I'm talking about, but, you know, it's against teams like Norwich, Bournemouth and Swansea. Well, talking, talking about teams that we should be beating, I mean, on Wednesday now, moving away from the Premier League, we've obviously got the Cup and we're against QPR, so is that a team we should be beating? I know we, we hesitate to mention no. our darker cousins too much, but are we 6-0 thrashing 
Yeah. What happened to the hint? How is that? Is it, is, it, is it just is it just about going forward in the cup? Is it about getting some sort of uh, I don't know some sort of boost to the community yeah. of Sunderland fans? Will it add to the fact? I mean, but well, what happens if we lose? I think well, it's he has of... a he has a question for everyone. And on on that, do yeah. you play your strongest team knowing you need a win to, to maybe pick up some confidence, or do you or do you give football to the players that need it? Because I'm I'm really torn. I've been thinking about this since the game ended actually. Mm. Um, and I couldn't make my mind up whether I would be, we'd be better off giving football to players who need it. And I would think Ndong and Catamore will play because they need, well, and probably Kirchhoff because he came off early again today. It's players that say, need mate, game I'm, time. Sorry, I've got to stop you. I've got to say, they all need it. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Oh, yeah, but. Like, I, I, would, I would be happy if the squad they'd go out. <laughs> 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 we need to get yeah. back the match fitness, don't we? We need to get them gelling together. And I think at least. If you're going to lose, I mean, uh, this is so sad that I'm saying this now, but if we do lose to QPR, at the end of the day, we've not lost any league points because of it. Obviously, we want a cup run. Of course we do. But, you know, if we lose to QPR, it's not desperately the end of the world. And if you can get you can get away with trying something that isn't, and even if it doesn't work, well, you know, if, whether it works or not, you're not going to get under as huge amount of criticism if we lose. Obviously, we'll come under criticism because we've lost to a championship team. But, you know, we, we need to get, I think I agree with Gav on that point, I think we do need to get players back to peak condition as quickly as possible because I think like I've said next, the next few games in the Premier League I know we're talking about the Cup but the next few weeks in the Premier League are so huge but as for Wednesday you know it, uh, I don't know I mean Newcastle I don't want to mention Newcastle too much but they beat them because they were on a forward momentum at the time whereas we've got nothing like I've said earlier we've got no momentum going into this game and oh god anyone it's take the, it's <laughs> the perfect opportunity to actually to ignite a season, I guess is the word. We like, I mean, the little rant I had about us being so defeatist. The fact that we're like considering defeat against QPR is like it irritates me because I think I'm one of those people who thinks it doesn't matter who the team are against you. You always have a chance to win as long as you battle for the badge one and you play it with game plan. And I think against QPR is the chance to actually get a game plan. For me, I think we need to play two up front. I don't think crowd in the midfield helps us in any way, shape or form. We need two up front. Why not give Watmore a chance up front in his favourite role? Um, we need somebody who's going to be able to string a pass. Um, I don't think Yanazai can play in the League Cup because of his, his red card. Yeah, he's bad. But it, it's a perfect opportunity for Kazri to come into the team and actually prove his worth. Um, and I think it, David Moyes has to roll the dice, really, on the QPR game. I think it's just the perfect opportunity to actually get some confidence in the players and to really figure out how do we want to play. I still have no idea how we want to play. We, we seem to press everywhere on the pitch today, but we didn't seem to know what to do with it There's when no we did have it. No, I think we, we were really relying on Yanazai to be our sort of talismanic assist maker, mm. if that's a term that's ever been used. <laughs> and he just hasn't been yet, has he? He hasn't. Shown any, any, yeah, he hasn't really shown any oh. cutting edge, so to speak. I don't know. I mean, to be fair, I've seen him in the last few games. I've seen him dance past players. That opportunity for Pinar, which, as we've all said, was the best opportunity we had to score the entire game. That came purely from him taking that chance, moving that ball past those defenders, and cutting a clear pass straight to what should have been a striker, but it turned out to be Stephen Pinar. Now. Stephen Pienaar does his job, fair enough, and despite his age, he's super fit, and I can't, I can't fault him for 
what he brings to the midfield. Initially, I was a bit, I was a bit um, anxious, I suppose is the word, or not apprehensive. Excited. Yeah, apprehensive would be better. Yeah, I'm not entirely. I wasn't entirely sure what he'd bring, but he, he had a really comfortable game when he first on his debut. I, I thought, um, and from that, although to be fair, I didn't see him touch the ball a lot today. I didn't see many Sunderland players. I saw him touch the ball. But they didn't touch it for very long. They touched it, and then it went to someone else, and it wasn't their players, it was the Spurs players. So, with Yanazai, a lot of people are asking, what does he bring to the team, what does he do? And as I said earlier in the chat, that's, for me, that footwork, that little bit of fancy footwork, that one last dance inside the area, and the ability to cross, or even if you're keeping it low, the ability to pass, such a sharp pass. If Pinar had been... Even half a foot back, he'd have buried that. Even Pina. Any, anyone would have. I, I would have bet on John O'Shea to bury that. Probably in our own net, somehow, unaccountably. It would have been amazing. And a fantastic goal <laughs> to watch. But, yeah, it, it, obviously, if that had fallen to anyone else apart from... Well, not, as I say, if that had fallen to anyone who'd chosen to put that ball anywhere else apart from straight at Kyle Walker, then we would have been straight in. And that would have been a full-on assist from Yanazai. And he would have contributed. He would have done that job for us, which would have been a, that would have been a fantastic thing. I think that's what he brings to the team. And a lot of people don't believe that because obviously he's had. There's a lot of expectations, and we're not expecting him to run around and score two goals against our opposition like he did against us no. that, on his breakthrough it's debut. It's tough, though, isn't it? Because you've you've kind of got a weird up and see what what's worth more to Sunderland right now. Is it having a an enigma who can maybe be 99% of the game be totally frustrating but give you one or two chances which lead to goals or do we now need to get back to basics and pick players who are going to be industrious and, and yeah. grind out results because Yanazai to me costs us possession too much especially when we're defending who's the, who's, the, who's the replacement for Yanazai the industrious replacement for Yanazai it's effectively Watmore isn't it and I, like you see it, it he's not a great he's not a great I think prepping, it's going to be Kazri I think it'll be Kazri and who gives some signs today? Yeah. He, do, he, he definitely does. Don't get us wrong, and I don't know what's going on and why he hasn't sort of recaptured the form that he had last year, where he was really a crucial part of the machine that stayed up. But I think he he looked today like he was putting an effort on the pitch at least. I saw him running around. I know his possession when he was in possession, he was awful, but he was actually running around. He was putting a shift in. I just. I don't know if he's had a fallen out with Moyes or what, but I think he's the the perfect person to put into that team um, because they call him the Wasp. Like, he's everywhere. He's in everybody's face. I think he's the perfect person to put in. And I think just going back to 4-4-2... Yeah, we, we wouldn't call him the Wasp, would he? Could you honestly call him the Wasp based well, on his performances for Sunderland? He's, he's an amazing... Be like, he's a Wasp. He's, 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 you, wouldn't be, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't say that, would you? He's effectively a wasp of David Moyes, though, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, seemingly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what his thing is. I mean, we saw this whole thing about him potentially being overweight and all that, and we compared some photos, didn't we? I think Gav might posted them up about, do you know, I mean, him playing for Tunisia and then and him at the end of last season and things like that. And I, I can't see the excess weight, so I don't think that's an excuse. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's maybe as to be honest. Well, let's let's just look at what, today when he when he entered the pitch today. He put us in trouble two or three times with bad passes, mm, like, absolutely. and he and he did it against Everton as well. He tried and to play a crossfield ball, which got nowhere near his man, and then cost us possession. I mean, that's the problem. Really, is we we have issues with Yanazai giving the ball away too much, and the guy backing him up 
is Kazri, who gives the ball away too much, and then the guy backing him up is Watmore, who gives the ball away too much. Yeah. We haven't got great options in these positions. I, I honestly those... thought when no. sorry, but I honestly I honestly didn't think when we let Lens go that our attack midfield options were that bad. But having seen them play in the first five mm-hmm. games, I'm I'm pretty concerned about the lack of form. Really, there's no consistency between any of them, which is right. which is what what's going to effectively make or break our season, isn't it? Because you need mm-hmm. you need to have three or four really consistent players that contribute offensively for, uh, to even progress still. Which is what happened last year. Really, we were over reliant on one player who scored the brunt of our goals, um, and and really we're kind of going to be relying on him again at least until January. So, I think think that's that's something we've got to think of coming out of, of what we've seen in the last couple of weeks against Palace next week. We have to pick a team that's going to win the game. Simple as that. Is Yanazai the type of player that? you stick with because he can be frustrating but you know he can give you quality like he did today for that one great chance we had Perhaps or should do you, he be started should, it, should he be maybe. more super sub is that a role that would be more suited to him I wonder do you know what I mean? getting that stage, burst of energy I mean yeah very hard to tell but I mean certainly young lad eager to prove got a lot of uh, tricks up his sleeve do you know what I mean that's the sort of not thing not cut out want. and defend though is he no, let's no, be honest I mean, it's it's today. It. So, so would he be capable of riding out the 90 minutes I mean if we'd scored first for example is that the nah. sort of player we want on the pitch to defend think, that one goal lead I think I think really those type of players I mean say we'd scored going into half time 1-0 and we'd try to hold the lead for the rest, for maybe 20 minutes in the second half you, w- you would be looking to bring on someone who can contribute more defensively, maybe a Watmore. But mm. we didn't have that choice today. Unfortunately, we as went As long behind. as Watmore finds his you bottle, because I don't know where it's gone. Someone needs to find out where that's gone. It's just... <laughs> to me, to to me, me. The thing was with Watmore... Sorry, Gavin. The thing, was, the thing with Watmore was I always felt I was kind of worried towards the back end of last season that he was going to be this one-trick pony that people would find out because he gets no doubt he, he's got great work ethic, he works hard, he clearly wants to fight for his place, but he seems to run at people, but then his end product at times is very questionable. I think he's better, personally, when he's coming off the bench and he's got fresh energy for the last 20 minutes. I was going to make a point on Yanazai earlier that um, there's one thing, Yanazai, I think, is no doubt a very talented player, but it's kind of frustrating that sometimes, and I don't know if this is just down to his physique, it might be just my my personal um, quiff with him, but sometimes when he's trying to beat a man, I don't feel he stands up enough to them. He's not like, you know, it's not a physical enough battle, or he's not like, I'm going to get me way past him and, con- and convincingly try and create something. No doubt he created the chance for Peanut a day. Like I said, he's a good player, but I would just, I'd like to see him stand up to his man a little bit more and just try and put a bit more out on that front. I but, think part of the issue is this idea of um, sort of square pegs and round holes almost. We mm. we play players like Kazri and David Moyes expect him to be a box-to-box midfielder. He plays Yanazai as, as a wide midfielder and he's more of a winger in all honesty. His def- as Gav's just brought up, his defensive side of the game, there's a lot to be decided there. But that's because we're playing in a position that isn't getting the best out of him. And it's the same with Ndong today. Ndong's kind of tasked with being the, the driving force of our midfield. I don't think that's what he does. I think he's, like we said, touched on earlier on, he's, he's a, a ball-winning midfielder who distributes the ball well. We already have three of those in the squad. Um, I, I feel like there's an issue. Denier again today, slotting in at right-back. There's an issue with, with the way we are playing is we're not playing to our strengths. Our strengths, in my opinion would be something like Defoe and Watmore up front and then trying to play a ball in behind constantly because they've got, both got a lot of pace. They're both very intelligent players. 
part of the issue that you're saying with Watmore is lack of end product. It's fantastic. Last season when Sam gave him a run of games up front, mm. he scored some absolutely top-notch goals. Mm. When you try and play him out wide, when he has not very little technical ability, of course there's going to be an issue. That, that's not who he is. And it's something we've done for the last few seasons. We just don't play it well with strengths. Like Advocat trying to play default left wing. Uh, Big Sam trying to play default as a target man. We're kind of st- st- regressing back to that where we don't play it by our own strengths. It's really, really irritating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll that sums up, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's super depressed us. now. Thanks for that. So. <laughs> oh. no, but can I, I'll, I'll just, I'll just add... Depressed. We've been finished off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll just add, just to try and end on a positive note, because I know we're going to be wrapping up soon, but... Right. I mean, everybody, everybody's looking for a scapegoat. Everyone, not, not generally this group, but as fan base. Everyone will be looking for an excuse as to why things aren't starting well, and... It's it's easy to do, but what we've got to do is look forward. Really, we've got two decent looking home games coming up, and we have to we have to win one of them at least for us to stand any chance of progressing. And let's be honest, as good as Palace and West Brom were this weekend, they're not unbeatable, especially not away from home. And and we just have to hope that in a week's time we're talking about another a, a Sunderland win. And be, and imagine, like I said before, this will all be forgotten if we do because. That's just the nature of being a football fan, isn't it? You're, neg- you're very negative when, when you're down and you're very positive when you're up. And uh, if we'd won today, if we'd went in one nil a half time, things could have been so much different, but unfortunately they weren't. It was a it was another individual error which cost us the win effectively. So let's just hope let's just hope that somewhere along the line that they're gonna get it and we're gonna we're gonna win a game where where we need it basically. We'll all be chuffed on that just before we go. Any predictions for Wednesday night against QPR? Anyone willing three to stick their neck out? 3 0 Sunderland was that from Tom? Yep, 3 0 Sunderland. 3 0 Sunderland from Tom. What about you, Michael? 2 1 QPR after extra time. I'm going to go for a, a 1 0. It's going to be a sneaky 1 0 late in the game. I think, having watched us against Shrewsbury, I don't know how committed yeah. this cup we are. <laughs> having watched so, us in general. Uh, in a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right, let's might, just let's I'm, just say a one nil for, for a two nil just for the sake of it. But we'll. Uh, can I just say? Yeah. Can I say one last thing? Just very one last thing. I think we have to take into consideration that, that I'm trying to be the. I'm trying. I don't know if I'm trying to be deluded or positive here, but six. I think is it six out of our next seven games are winnable. I'll just quickly go through them. We got Palace, West Brom, Stoke, West Ham, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Hull. It's sad that win I them all. Win them all. Yeah. yeah simple. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Why aren't you at the club, Michael? Because we can do it. Hope is not lost yet. Six out of our next, I mean, Arsenal, I know you can't write it off, but maybe Arsenal came out of the equation. We've got six out of our next seven are very winnable because teams have started poorly and they're not exactly great. So there you go. Hope is something we never lose as Sunderland fans. So unfortunately, this has come to the end of this week's episode. No one's particularly happy, but as Mackhams, we keep the faith, don't we, lads? So, thanks yeah. for listening to the Roker Report. Thank you again to Gav, Michael and Tom for joining us. Join us again next week and we'll uh, hopefully have some better news to bring you rather than this depressing brand of self-depreciating, self-pitying bollocks. But yeah, thank you for joining <laughs> us and uh, yeah, take care. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.